Hi and welcome to the Msingi Talks podcast, a podcast hosted by Msingi Trust. This podcast ventures deeper into issues of faith, advocacy, activism, and makes connections between these worlds. Psalms 89.14 states that justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. And here we unpack how the church as the body of Christ and institution can faithfully embody justice and righteousness in both word and deed. Karibuni and let's do justice. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everybody who's listening to us. And welcome to this episode of the Singi Talks podcast. And today I'm very excited to be hosting Maren Mantovani. And uh, yeah, Maren, Karibu uh, Sana to the podcast. Please introduce yourself and let uh, the Singi family know who you are, where you're from. And yeah, thank you for uh, having me here. I'm uh, the international outreach coordinator of uh, the Palestinian Stop the Wall campaign and part of the international secretariat of the Palestinian Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions uh, National Committee, which in other words means that uh, I am uh, working with, on the one hand with an organization, uh, the Stop the Wall campaign, that is uh, coordinating uh, protests uh, and popular struggle against the wall and the settlements, uh, demonstrations uh, on the ground in Palestine. Um, on the other hand, uh, uh, the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions National Committee is uh, the Palestinian umbrella organization uh, that unites all polit- political and social forces uh, in Palestine um, in uh, the pursuit of building uh, an effective and powerful global movement for boycott, divestment and sanctions. Cool. Marion, before we get into the meat of the conversation, sometimes we get in so deep and we forget that we are human. I always want to find out from my guests, what's the one thing in the whole wide world that gives you joy? And what's the other thing that brings you sorrow? One thing that brings me joy is uh, seeing uh, the waves of the sea. And I'm often sitting there and watching waves of the sea wherever I can, because uh, for me, it is such a powerful inspiration to uh, just watch the sea and see how it is not colonizable, not occupiable not uh, repressible. It is a force that is at the same time soft and at the same time absolutely powerful, determined and unstoppable. So that is one thing that I really like. Mm -hmm. Um, What uh, brings me sorrow? I guess there are far too many things in the world that uh, bring us sorrow and enrage us. Uh, um, I guess uh, it's... uh, numbness of people in front of injustice Mm, yeah yeah (sighs) 
I sigh with you, Marin, because sometimes for me, I, I wonder is because there are so many people who benefit from injustice, do they even care? Like, is it, is the work that we are doing worth it? But that's, thank you for sharing your heart. And yes, I love the ocean and you've given me uh, great insights into the, into the ungover ungovernableness of the sea, um, the weight can't be controlled, yet there's a gentleness in the waters, in the waves, and also in the fact that it is home to so many and it is food and nourishment to others as well. So you said that you're here as part of uh, BDS and also Stop the Wall campaign. Could you please tell um, the many people who are listening to you from all over the world what BDS uh, is, what Stop the Wall campaign, and why all of this is important to you. Could you locate yourself in this story? Well, my story, and I'm not Palestinian, I'm, uh, I came from Italy to Palestine in 2002 when uh, um, the Second Intifada was... Uh, just at its uh, top and uh, Israeli repression was uh, in one of its most cruel phases. And uh, it was the reinvasion of the West Bank and uh, the massacre in Jenin where I, I was in Jenin and I had to witness uh, what it means when Israel unleashes a massacre on a, on a refugee camp. Uh, um, on men, women, children, uh, elderly, whoever it is. Um, and uh, it was interesting that they, uh, everybody asked me one question, why is the world not reacting? Does the world not see what's happening? You need to go and uh, stop uh, that uh, kind of uh, complicit silence and active complicity of far too many that are keeping and building ties of complicity with Israeli apartheid. And uh, that was for me the moment that uh, pushed me to, uh, to dedicate uh, my, uh, my life to, uh, uh, to trying to do a little bit of uh, what people asked me to do. And uh, just after the Janine massacre, um, Israel started its large-scale construction of uh, what in Palestine we call the apartheid wall, fundamentally an eight-meter-high cement wall over 600 me uh, kilometers long that uh, encircles Palestinian towns and villages and uh, segregates them from their land, water resources, uh, and from each other. Uh, fundamentally creating uh, tiny, isolated uh, ghettos or bantustans for Palestinians uh, that are still on their land, because I think we should uh, always remember that uh, more than half of the Palestinian population has been already expelled by uh, the Israeli apartheid regime from their homes and from their lands and are refugees. 
So when that uh, wall was constructed, there was uh, an immediate spontaneous uh, organizing happening uh, within Palestine, uh, popular committees uh, starting to protest uh, at the construction of the wall and trying to uh, um, stop the bulldozers literally with, with their own bodies. And uh, that new uh, organization needed somebody that uh, helped, uh, helped them with international outreach. And uh, well, um, that's what I tried to do. And that's what I'm still trying to do. And uh, then, uh, and here is as well the connection between the two uh, movements uh, and the connection with uh, the African continent, really, that uh, in 2004, the International Court of Justice decides on the illegality of the wall and the fact that the international community has an obligation to tear down, uh, to ensure that Israel tears down that wall and stops its human rights violations. We all knew in Palestine that uh, Israel would not uh, heed that uh, decision and the international community would not do anything to actually stop its uh, complicity and its support for Israeli apartheid if uh, there was not a clear grassroots pressure from the ground, from the people. And there... Uh, organizations and movements looked to the South, South African uh, experience, to the African model of the anti-apartheid struggle, where boycotts, uh, divestment and sanctions uh, were an instrumental tool to overcome apartheid. So they said, uh, well, let's try that and see if uh, that helps us uh, to overcome Israeli apartheid. And then in 2005, exactly one year after the ICJ decision, comes the call for boycott, divestment and sanctions. So there, uh, thank you for that. There are quite a few words and terms and places that you have used that uh, some of my listeners and um, Singhi's uh, listeners would not be aware of. So could you, one, explain uh, about the the wall what is it and uh and then also um yes first we could explain what the wall is who erected it why was it erected and then also when you mention israel there there are some people who become very um you're, you're likely to, to really polarize people. So what's the difference between anti-Semitism uh, and anti-Zionism? Sure. Let's start with the first one, with the wall. Yes. Uh, and I guess it's uh, quite difficult to explain if you don't see it. Yeah. But uh, it is fundamentally... Uh, and a huge infrastructure construction, uh, as I said, eight meters uh, high of cement and 600 kilometers long, uh, that aims to uh, uh, annex uh, some uh, 30% of the West Bank, the occupied West Bank. And uh, here again, it would be nice to have a map, but uh, trying to 
explain it, what happened actually to the Palestinian people, where and where the wall actually comes from. Uh, when Israel is created in uh, 1948, uh, uh, it is uh, created on the large scale expulsion of the Palestinian people and contrary to the UN uh, resolution that has given uh, uh, to uh, Israel uh, some 50% of uh, Palestinian land, uh, for Israel to be created, Israel took 78% of that land and uh, uh, over two years uh, led a mass expulsion of the Palestinian people that were on those 78% of their land, destruction of their uh, homes and, uh, and villages. Then uh, in uh, 1967, another war uh, and Israel uh, occupies the rest of uh, Palestine, uh, that mm. is the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza. Now, Gaza is since uh, uh, since the 90s, since uh, 95, uh, 96, surrounded mm. already by a wall and isolated. Complete and full isolation then starts in 2006, 2007. Uh, mm. like we have it now, where nobody is able to get in or out and nothing is able to get in or uh, out if not uh, uh, with Israeli control and uh, where Israeli uh, military, was, uh, uh, military officials have uh, described their way of uh, uh, allowing uh, food and, and other uh, elementary products uh, into uh, the Gaza Strip as keeping uh, the population on a diet, just enough for them not to starve. Mm. Um, and in the West Bank, the idea uh, was as well an, an idea of uh, uh, encircling the Palestinians and their communities and their cities with a wall in order to take over the rest of uh, the land and the water resources and to uh, simply uh, isolate and ghettoize the Palestinian uh, people that were living there behind uh, uh, these uh, cement walls mm. and uh, annexing and occupying as well East Jerusalem. And whoever lived outside these or lives outside these walls is to be uh, expelled from their homes and communities. So mm. that is a bit uh, the wall within the framework of. Uh, disappearing of the Palestinian people where over the last uh, uh, almost 80 years so we've seen this kind of uh, continuous expansion of Israeli settler colonialism on Palestinian land at the expense mm -hmm. of the Palestinian people, uh, expelling the Palestinian people. And I guess this kind of uh, colonial expansionism was uh, something that... Uh, uh, forms part of uh, African history and uh, uh, and ex experience as well when uh, foreign forces, colonial powers came and just claimed and took over the lands of, uh, of the people. And even today when uh, big multinational corporations are coming and just taking over the lands of the people and the people just have to leave and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Palestinians are struggling against. Mm. So in this sense, coming to the second question, this evidently, all of this has nothing to do with uh, 
anti-Semitism, i.e. a question of uh, uh, being against Jews or the Jewish people, um, or Judaism as a religion. The question here is a question of land. It's a question of self-determination. It's a question of justice, freedom, and equality. And uh, uh, I guess many don't know what Zionism is. Uh, Zionism yeah. is fundamentally the ideology um, that has been created in uh, the late 19th century and is uh, profoundly rooted in uh, uh, European colonialism that uh, believed that uh, one can go and uh, just take over lands of somebody else because those somebody else uh, didn't really count as human being anyway, and then uh, establish on uh, these lands whatever one wanted. Uh, and that is exactly the logic. Uh, I mean, Zionism uh, uh, comes as a uh, response to uh, mm -hmm. horrific uh, uh, and uh, centuries of uh, persecution of the Jewish people through not, not Palestinians, not mm -hmm. Arabs, not Muslims, but mm -hmm. European Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, Therefore, the idea to say we want uh, a, a safe place to be, um, but it is this idea at the same time that uh, one looks for a place to take over that is somebody else's place. And even more importantly, who then enabled this idea and who supported this idea in uh, 1917 with the declaration of Balfour, uh, the British uh, colonial empire, that at, mm. this, uh, at that point already understood that uh, its power uh, and its colonial power, because they were at the time already occupying Palestine, was mm. decreasing and they had to restructure their colonial hold on lands and mm. hence the proposition by the Zionist movements, we are the bulwark for the uh, uh, West against uh, uh, the barbarian East. It mm. sounded like the perfect uh, proxy, like the perfect uh, military colonial outpost to the British Empire. And that really is uh, the background uh, under which uh, um, Israel has been created. And this is really uh, the anti-colonial uh, backbone of the Palestinian struggle. Mm. You know what's so interesting? I am part of a book study, uh, a community called The Inverse. We have a book study um, that has people from all over the world. And this week, I actually, on, on Sunday, I was with you, Marin, and we had the we had the the screening of uh, the the stones cry out, I think, and then um, this week, let me read for you uh, a a paragraph from uh, the, this week's chapter, and then you'll see how how connected what we are studying, what we are studying as a group, and what we saw or we watched on 
on Sunday and also what we are discussing now is, so this is uh, uh, an activist who, who, a water activist who has visited various places. Uh, and this is what she writes. A few weeks later, I was in the West Bank of Palestine, visiting another family experiencing drought and without running water. Again, to my dismay and disgust, nearby was an Israeli settlement that was well shaded with trees, sprinklers spinning water on green grass. Driving alongside the quote-unquote security wall built by the Israeli occupation force, I saw how it twists and turns according to water access instead of along the lines declared by the United Nations in 1948. Occupation has seized water. In that place, uh, 2000 years ago, Jesus walked alongside those waters under a different occupation. Um, and it goes on and on and on. And, for me, I am so interested in learning this because this is the first time I am connecting the struggles. I am connecting this um, these pains that people have have had. And um, when I come back to the film that we watched on Sunday, I. And as I was talking to you, I, I remember sharing that for someone who is like me, who uh, who yearns and hopes and works at keeping herself informed, not knowing about the Palestinian Christian struggle, for me, felt like a, like like it is uh, it is a deliberate effort. Why do we not know about the Palestinian Christian struggle? Marin. Well, I'm not sure I would call it a Palestinian Christian struggle. Um, I think what is important here is that uh, the Palestinian people are as much uh, Muslim as they are Christian, as there is even a small Jewish community of Palestinians uh, there. Um, and the interesting thing that uh, Palestinians uh, that are Christians uh, are defending is that they may be a numerical minority, they are no social minority. They don't see themselves mm -hmm. as a minority because they are simply part and parcel. They are represented in the mainstream, let's say. And I mm -hmm. guess uh, uh, that comes simply as well from the history. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Christian churches, all Christian churches have their center uh, in Jerusalem, they may mm -hmm. have one uh, in Rome with the Vatican, but there is a center in Jerusalem in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. And uh, Palestinians have always known that that is uh, one of the building blocks of, uh, of their identity, of their existence, uh, as mm -hmm. much as it is the 
um, uh, the Mosque of Al-Aqsa or the uh, Dome of the Rock uh, mm-hmm. or the Wailing Wall. Yeah. Um, it is uh, very interesting. For example, one of the uh, songs that very often is uh, played uh, in the morning hours by Palestinians uh, is a song about Jerusalem that is singing really about uh, uh, Jesus and uh, Mary. And it is a Christian song, but it's uh, listened to by all Palestinians when they wake up in the morning. Yeah. Uh, for them, it's just part of it. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, that idea that uh, we have here on one hand Jews and on the other hand Muslims mm-hmm. and this uh, Christian uh, theology that uh, um, defends uh, the occupation of Palestinian land and the ethnic cleansing of actually their Palestinian Christian brothers and sisters as well from uh, their homelands. Uh, uh, is uh, a profoundly warped and uh, um, deliberately uh, constructed uh, um, ideology uh, to exactly, as you say, uh, uh, silence the voices of the people uh, on the ground. And uh, it is only very seldom that we have the chance then to to watch films like uh, the one we watched uh, uh, last Sunday. Sindhi is a Swahili word meaning foundation. Our name and mandate comes from Psalms 89.14. We host engaging conversations on faith, social justice and advocacy across all our social media platforms. We also offer training and consultancy services to help you navigate the world of social justice and faith. To engage with us, visit our website www.msingitrust.org Follow us on all our social media handles at msingitrust or email us on info at msingitrust.org The last thing maybe that I wanted to say is that uh, that is a bit uh, uh, something that is as well this kind this role that the Christian uh, uh, church is playing is something that uh, shouldn't be so new in Africa because it uh, it was quite similar what uh, uh, the Christian church, the role Christian church has played in the case of South African uh, apartheid regime, where mm-hmm. at the beginning uh, the Christian churches as well were supporting the idea of the apartheid regime, the idea that South Africa somehow was a, another promised land, yeah. uh, and that it was okay and not only justified, but God mandated uh, yes. to, uh, uh, to oppress the black people and to create a white su- a supremacist uh, state. And only later on, Christian churches with the Kairos document uh, mm-hmm. uh, started to change their position and realize that we are all human beings uh, and mm-hmm. that that is the fundamental idea of Christianity. Yeah. And very similarly to, uh, to that experience, when we're looking to Palestine, where we're having this idea where the Christian church is justifying Mm-hmm. Uh, the unjustifiable, really, mm-hmm. of the oppression of another people, 
Uh, and at the same time now, the reaction a few years ago where Palestinian Christian churches uh, have uh, created a unified document, the Kairos Palestine document, once yeah. again taking inspiration from, uh, from Africa yeah. and from that experience and uh, uh, very clearly uh, stating here that uh, uh, based in the Christian faith as well, uh, the military occupation of the land of somebody else, uh, apartheid, that all constitutes uh, not only a war crime, not only a, a crime against humanity, but as well a sin against God and humanity. Yeah. And hence the need to really look into what this kind of theology means and if that mm -hmm. can have possibly anything to do with Christians, Christian values and teachings. Mm. I, I remember because um, I've we did a Facebook live conversation. One another thing we do on um on Msingi as part is a, a monthly Facebook live conversation. And we talked extensively about the Kairos document. And um, and this is where my connection with Kenyans for Palestine happened. And uh, if any of you would want to learn more about the correlation between um, the, uh, the Kairos South Africa uh, and Kairos Palestine, uh, conversation, please head there. There is so much depth in that conversation. But Marion also, um, as we're drawing uh, to our close, our conversation to our close, I, as you know, Msingi exists to make connections between faith, social justice, activism, and advocacy. And as we were chatting on, sun on Sunday, you told me about your Brazil experience. Could you please share that, uh, especially with the favelas and the, and the Zionism and how you, the process that you guys have gone through with that? Yes, it, it was a very interesting and, and powerful experience. And uh, because uh, at first we discovered that uh, an Israeli uh, company was uh, training uh, uh, Brazil's military police, which is uh, especially the police in Rio de Janeiro is one of the most brutal across the globe. And we thought that was something that uh, would bring us uh, together in a struggle and standing up against the fact that Israel is teaching and this Israeli uh, uh, company uh, in particular is teaching uh, what literally say they said the same uh, tactics like they use in Gaza against the Palestinians to the police in Rio de Janeiro in order to uh, kill and repress uh, uh, people in, uh, in the favelas. Um, and we went and talked uh, the first time to, uh, to the activists there and uh, they said, well, yeah, we understand the connection, but we understand as well that it is very hard in our spaces uh, to talk about Palestine because of uh, that idea that uh, um, Israel is the promised land and it is an uh, obligation to uh, 
um, praise uh, and defend Israel no matter what within uh, some of the evangelical churches and many of uh, um, the members of the favelas and the inhabitants of the favelas are part of the uh, of these uh, churches. So uh, we said, well, um, how how are we going to to tackle this? Because uh, we know that the that kind of uh, reading of uh, of the books uh, is warped, is wrong, is uh, is just not what a Christian. Uh, principle should be, but how are we uh, uh, explaining that to people? How are we showing that uh, actually what uh, this Israel is, this Israeli apartheid system on Palestinian land and against the Palestinian people is has nothing to do with uh, a biblically promised uh, Israel. Um, and uh, we started uh, uh, creating a um, connections and uh, brought them as well uh, two delegates from uh, the favelas to Palestine to uh, so they could see with their own eyes how how the same methods the whole same technologies uh, that are being used in Palestine are being exported to uh, to the favelas in Brazil and they could talk with their uh, from their experience and what they've witnessed uh, to the people uh, in the favelas. And uh, it was very interesting that that very connection based on the fact that there are people that are suffering a similar and interconnected uh, realities of uh, oppression and, uh, and killings uh, um, and repression um, has actually overcome uh, an ideology imposed uh, by the by the church uh, well by by certain churches and has a, where actually humanity has taken over and we have created a, an incredible bond and struggle together with the movements in the favelas against militarization against repression mm. and against Israeli apartheid mm. I think that's so inspiring in 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 seeing how when we connect struggles we create um, we create opportunities for movement building and for solidarity. So um, what how can Kenyans how can we what are the areas you see that are possible for solidarity for us and how can we learn more? How can we be more involved in what's going on in Palestine? How do we offer our voice? How do we offer solidarity? What opportunities exist for, for Kenyans uh, across the board and Africans as well, and people from all over the world to offer solidarity and to uh, renounce the apartheid that's going on right now? I guess there are many ways uh, in which one can uh, contribute. And I think uh, the BDS movement, that boycott, divestment, sanctions movement has really given everybody uh, uh, the tools to uh, to contribute to uh, to justice, uh, 
Um, the very first thing would be to ensure that uh, we do not buy Israeli products or products that are uh, supporting Israeli apartheid, uh, whether that is, for example, Puma, which is one of the key campaigns uh, we're having on a global level to pressure Puma, the sports gear uh, producer, to stop uh, sponsoring the Israeli national football team, uh, which includes the football teams of the settlements, or uh, to source uh, and buy uh, wines or other products uh, not from uh, Baraka Israel, which is a company that is directly working with the uh, Israeli embassy uh, here in uh, uh, Kenya. Uh, but uh, there are other um, uh, ways as well how we can create uh, spaces free of uh, apartheid, free of Israeli apartheid. And one of the campaigns that uh, Kenyans for Palestine are launching or have launched uh, and driving forward is uh, to encourage uh, spaces, and that can be physical spaces, uh, cafes, uh, bookshops, uh, offices, uh, meeting spaces, or virtual spaces uh, like this podcast uh, or other forms of uh, gathering to declare themselves as Israeli apartheid, apartheid-free zones where Israeli uh, propaganda and the products that support Israeli apartheid don't have a space. Um, that is a global campaign and ever more uh, initiatives and ever more spaces uh, and places uh, are joining uh, into that effort to step by step uh, free uh, themselves, their surroundings, their communities, uh, their institutions from apartheid. And I think uh, especially on a continent that has already defeated once uh, an apartheid system, uh, the one in South Africa, uh, it's, uh, it would be important to ensure that uh, uh, we free as well this continent from the 21st century version of apartheid, the Israeli apartheid, step mm -hmm. by step until we can achieve a, a, a global end to the, uh, this uh, 21st century apartheid regime. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Marin. And I think uh, for all of us in Kenya, um, we will follow your work, we'll follow Kenyans for Palestine, and uh, we'll continue working for the freedom of, of, of Palestine. Thank you so much, Marin, for, uh, for coming here, for the work that you're doing. I don't know if you have any parting shot, any last words you would like to share. Yes, I would like to talk about something really urgent that is happening right now mm -hmm. uh, in the coming week. Uh, uh, and that really is about the entering of uh, Israeli apartheid on the table of the African Union. 
unfortunately against all principles of the African Union uh, and all democratic guidelines, the chairperson of the African Union Commission has accepted uh, the, the apartheid state of Israel uh, as observer state uh, to the African Union. There has been huge out outcry against it. Uh, um, South Africa and Namibia uh, and the entire SADC uh, countries have uh, already launched an official complaint uh, uh, against uh, this unilateral decision. And uh, from the north, Algeria and most Arab states have as well uh, launched official complaints against this decision to re-import again apartheid into African uh, uh, institutions yeah. and on the 13th to 15th of October next week uh, the Executive Council of the African Union will be meeting and will be deciding on uh, whether or not uh, to overthrow that decision again and keep mm -hmm. apartheid out of the African Union or mm -hmm. not and it is uh, important that we all say our word and call on our governments that uh, keep apartheid out of the African Union. No observer statues for Israel at the African Union. Mm. Keep apartheid out of the African Union. Keep apartheid out of the world. Thank you, Marin, for your time. All the best for this very hectic week. And I'll see, see you around. If people are wanting to look for you, Marin, where do they find you? Where do they find me? <laughs> I'm all over the place. Now. Yes. <laughs> but, the uh, they, can, uh, they can definitely either contact Cadians for Palestine and they may trace me down. Mm -hmm. Or the go on the stopthewall.org website and uh, send an email on the contact uh, form there, and you will get hold of me. All right. Thank you, Marin. I hope you enjoy your stay in Kenya, and thank you for for being with us on this episode. Uh, thank you to all of you for who've listened to to this podcast, and as we always say, as we end our conversation always remember to do justice kwahirini if you've been inspired challenged and or enjoyed this conversation and would like to contribute to this and catch up with more of such remember to follow us on social media at missing trust share this podcast with your friends and family and also consider making a donation to support the production of this podcast donations can be made through paypal msingikenya at gmail.com patreon at msingikenya or through mpesa plus 254-792-176-030 kwaherini and thank you for joining us